Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Um, and I'm going to look at something. I saw Donald Trump in the news. He got in trouble for saying, what did he say? 2 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians. Did you see that? I thought that was funny. I didn't understand. I said to Cressa, are they having a go at him? I don't. Sometimes I say 2 Corinthians. Sometimes I say 2nd. Sometimes I think it doesn't even matter. I think God doesn't even care. He just, he's happy that you're looking at it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying like endorse it, but I'm just saying like people get so caught up. I'm like, who cares, bro? Just at least he opened the thing or knew something. You know what I mean? Let's, let's celebrate the good. People are like, well, he said 2, not 2nd. I'm like, What? Anyway, uh, here we go. I'm going to read. This is cool. This is, that, I'm just going to. I'm just going to just share what I felt God just put on my heart today, and I hope it's going to encourage you. Uh, but uh, let's have a look. Let's go from uh, verse three. This is Peter, and uh, he says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to His abundant mercy, has begotten us again." To a living hope, or has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that they that that does not that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse five, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that precious, uh, than pre- that, pre- that, I'll get it right by the 11 a.m. service. I like how people correct me. Do you know what I mean? People are like, as perishes. I love it. I think that was you, Earl, wasn't it? Thank you, bro. I need people like that in my life, you know? I need... Okay, back to... (laughs) That perishes. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This... This is a few verses and uh, I want to just work through them a little bit because there's some things in here that I want to pull out and I believe we're going to be encouraged this morning. And, uh, and I want you to leave today feeling like uh, you can do it. It's good to leave church, you know, feeling like you can, you can, uh, you can be what God has called you to be. And, and, uh, and I want you to feel encouraged this morning. And uh, I want to stir you this morning. And, uh, and I believe that God's Word is going to do that for you. If you don't normally come to church, um, I appreciate you being here. And I hope that you'll get something out of, this, out of this too. But in this, what's happening here is Peter, in this epistle, what he's doing is he's speaking. And, and it's a letter that's being written to a persecuted people. And it's a letter that's being written to them and they're in a difficult time and they're facing a lot of challenges and the church was under attack. It's growing and things are going good and things are, things are advancing and, and the name of Jesus is advancing, but they're taking some hits. They're taking, they are being persecuted. People are facing some pretty significant challenges. And I want to just look at the way in which 
He addresses them at the start. And what he does here is, we didn't look at it, but in verse 2 actually, he calls them the elect. He refers to them as the elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I love what he does is he comes in and he first, he begins by an encouragement. It's almost like a reminder that you are the elect. You are God's chosen. Sometimes it's just simple things like that. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's the simple reminder that, you know what, God has chosen me for this moment, this time right now. Even though it's difficult, I got to sometimes remind myself, this is me. Sometimes I got to remind myself, you know what, God has called me to this. God has chosen me. This is not just something that I sort of fell upon. God has, I've been elected by God for this moment right now. Sometimes I think we got to wake in the morning and just remind ourselves of that simple fact. And he's reminding them of this. And, and, uh, and then as he goes through, he, he refers to, he says in this abundant, and he continues in this language of encouragement. How many people, you, how many people you, you love encouraging people in your life? How many people you've got those people, you know those people that, that just get, just, you just meet them? And, and, and they, just, they just stir you up. There's some people in this church that no matter what I preach, sometimes I'll get off the stage and I know I preach horrible. And you've got those people that'll just come up and say, that was a word for me. I don't care if they're lying or not. I just need to hear that encourage. You know what I mean? We need to have those people in our life. Sometimes we just need those people that, to just get alongside us and tell us, you know what, you're doing great. You know what? You're a winner. You know what? You're going to overcome this. Nothing's going to come your way that you can't beat. Nothing's going to happen this week that God's not. We need those people in our life. And you know what? We need to be those people. How many of you, you, you know you get encouraged when someone comes up and says, you know what? I just wanted to tell you, you're doing a phenomenal job. You're a great husband. You're a great wife. You're a great mother. You're a great, you know what? You're a great businessman. You're doing awesome. You're a great leader. How many of you feel encouraged when someone does that? You know what I mean? Something I heard about the, the, the boxer, you know, who had, you know um, his faith was, was something different to ours, but, but, but known as one of the greatest sportsmen that, that possibly ever lived, Muhammad Ali. You know, he paid someone a full-time wage to simply travel with him everywhere that he went and just simply tell him how good he was. That was a full-time job for someone to walk with him wherever he went and just behind him in his ear was always saying, you're the best, you're the greatest. You're the greatest there's ever been. No one's as fast as you. No one's as quick as you. No one's as strong as you. How many think I would like someone like that in my life? Hey, come on, just like it's just a little dude, just to roll with me. You know what I mean? Not too loud, not like overbearing, you know what I mean? I just need a little, just every now and then, you're the best, Ben. You're the, hey, next week I'm preaching, I might get up here with two people. <laughs> you're the best, Ben. I don't know why I put that voice to it. It just felt like it should be like a little guy, you know what I mean? Just, Come on, just to go with you. Do you know that we have that in the voice of God? Do you know as much as we say, I would have that. If we were 
to tune in to hear the voice of the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's the encourager, the Holy Spirit. It talks about in the Word of God, He's the, he's the comforter and He's the counsellor. That's what we have. And as much as we joke and we say, man, I would love someone. Do you know that you have that? You just got to tune in to hear what God is saying about you. You got to, when you're going through those trials and you're going through those challenges, you got to tune in and say, you know what? What's God saying right now? Because whenever I can, whenever I stop myself, I say, you know what? What's God saying? So, so often I just hear the voice of God saying, come on, man, you can do this. You're bigger than this. This is nothing for me. You think I can't overcome this? Don't worry about it. I've got this and I get stirred and I'm encouraged. But I've got to make a decision in my own mind that I'm going to tune the frequency in to hear what God is saying to me. You got to tune. Sometimes you got to change the frequency on your thinking. You know how you can tune a radio to a different dial, a different station. Some of you've got to learn how to change the station. Just set all of your stations to default. You know how you can do the presets in your car? Set them all, set the presets to your mind to hear the voice of God every single time. So no matter what happens when you get in your car, no matter what you push, all I can hear is the voice of God over my life. It's powerful. Encouragement is powerful. The Bible says that we need to encourage people to good works, encourage people to good works. And and I've talked about this a lot before because this has been a huge thing in my life and a great revelation God gave me, especially in years ago when I was dealing with a lot of at-risk youth. And, you know, I'd go into a lot of detention facilities in Melbourne and dealing with a lot of troubled teenagers. And God began to speak to me, man, we started doing, I started doing these, these programs in, in high schools. I would do stupid things. I would go into the school and I would say to the school, give me, give me 40, give me 50 of your worst kids. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, give them to me for an hour. I don't know what I was doing. And, and, and I'll get to get, but I would go into the room before they get in there and I'd pray over that room. I'd say, God, anoint this room. I'd pray over those seats. I'd say, God, I pray when these kids get in here. And, and I'd set up a circle and, 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 and I'd have them there and I'd, I'd be able to do it, you know, do a study. If the school would let me do a Bible study or whatever, I would do a you know, real basic sort of teaching thing. But, but often they wouldn't. Often it would ju- I would just be, all I was allowed to do was just do life, talk about life, life um, principles and things. But, but what was cool was I could do that. And so I'd say, okay, great, I'll do those. Life. But I would take everything out of the Word of God. And just not tell them it's the Bible because they wouldn't let me do it. So I'd roll sort of underground. Do you know what I mean? A little, little, uh, little covert operation in the spirit. Um, because the power of the Word of God is still in the Word of God. I don't have to stand up before and say, thus saith the Lord. I can just speak biblical principles and the Word, when it goes out, it will do what it's set out to do. And so what I would do is I would set up, I would take sermons Right and reword whole sermons and do whole life. And so what I would do is I would speak, but I had these kids and these dudes were rough. Like some of these kids were, you know what I mean? They'd done time in detention facilities and from crazy homes and, and, uh, and, and there would be, look, I would, I would have all out problems and, and fights go on sometimes. Some of them, I remember I was in this school that had a lot of Middle Eastern kids in this school and they would speak, you know, Arabic and, and I wouldn't be able to understand what they're saying. And so I'd be in there and they'd be hanging out and then they'd start talking Arabic and one kid would say Arabic to another kid, another kid would say Arabic to him and then all of a sudden they'd both jump up and run at each other and start boxing on in the middle of the room. So I, but I didn't know how it started. 
Because I didn't understand what they said. So I banned them all from talking any language but English in that room. I said, you're only allowed to talk English. And they said, why, that's racist. I said, no, I just can't understand what the heck you're saying. And so I don't know how these fights are starting. So you're not allowed to say it. And then, and we had these major, major problems and these kids that would just mess up and, you know, just constantly the same sort of kids. And God began to speak to me and said, Ben, I want you to start to encourage them and encourage the worst in the group. Encourage them to good works. I said, God, but they're not doing good. Do you know what I mean? We think of that, you know, as a parent or whatever, you might think, well, how we encourage, the, worldly, the world would say you encourage someone when they've done the good works. I'd be like, well, God, when they do something good, I will encourage them. But at the moment, they're all a pain in the neck. So I've got nothing to encourage. But God would say, read it again. It doesn't say encourage when they've done good works. It says put the encouragement before the good works happen. So I would start to get these kids, I would stop, there would, be, there would be a kid. And then God spoke to me more and He said, you know what, even if they do, find, find something, find something tiny, minute thing about what they're doing and find something small that you could encourage in them. And, and what I would do is I remember, and that's what I'd do at the end of the program, I'd grab the worst kid. The worst kid, the kid that's messed up the whole time, caused all the fights. I'd pull him aside. I remember the first time I did it, I said, bro, I need you to come here for a second. He's coming to me with an attitude. He's thinking, here we go again. I'm going to get told off. And I stood in there and I said, bro, I just want to let you know that you're the man. You're a champion. And I want to tell you, I'll never forget it. The first time I did that and the second I said to him, you know what? You're a champion. You could feel the atmosphere over his shift in a second. And he looked up at me so confused. I was just as confused as he was. I'm like, God, I'm just doing what you're telling me to do. In my flesh, he's thinking, you're a little brat and you need a slap. But my spirit's saying that I need to encourage you. But then I began to speak and said, bro, do you know what? You come in here. You're such a leader. You got such a call on your life. You got, I, want, I was about to start ready to preach over him, but I wasn't allowed to. And so I would just encourage him. And you know what I was doing was I was encouraging him to be what I felt he was called to be. I wasn't waiting for him to do something worth encouraging. It says encourage people to the good works. And you see a shift because what you do is you start to speak out. You're speaking out destiny over their life. You're speaking at purpose over their life and it's a powerful thing. And this is what's happening in here. And, and he goes on further and he says um, in verse 3, To His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, this language of encouraging. These are people that are being persecuted and he's coming in talking about a living hope. I thought, what a great way. Isn't that a great way to describe what we have in Jesus Christ? It's a living hope. You know, the world has hope, but it's a dead hope. It's a hope that they that there's a hope that if I get this relationship, then I'm going to be satisfied. There's a, there's a hope that if I achieve this level in my business, that things are going to be great. I'm going to be successful and I'm going to feel fulfilled. But how many know that if you've ever tried to walk down any of those roads before meeting Jesus, there is a hope there, but it's a dead hope. 
We got a living hope in Jesus Christ. He's a living hope. There may be things that we're still walking through, but we got a, a living hope through Jesus Christ and through the resurrection of Jesus that we know there's a living hope at the end of this road. And what he does is he goes through and he begins to speak this. There's so much in this, and he begins to speak this out over them and, and declare this over them. But then then I love what happens here is he comes down to this last bit and, and he says, in verse 6, it says, In this, you greatly rejoice. In this, greatly rejoice. We don't have enough rejoicing Christians. Don't, do, you, do you ever notice that? Grumpy Christians? Do you know what I mean? Like I, sometimes I think, you know what? We got something. I've got something to be excited about. I know I'm walking through things. I know we're facing things, but we need to greatly rejoice in the hope that is Jesus Christ. I know there's challenges in the business. I know there's challenges in the family and and life will always have that. But don't let the challenges steal your joy and steal your hope. We've got got something to rejoice in and that's what Jesus Christ has done in our life. Is there anyone here that feels like there's something to rejoice about? In Jesus. Though now for a little while, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found in praise. That term jumped out at me as I was looking at this, the genuineness of your faith. Well, that was the introduction that I've done so far. So I need to try and preach this sermon in about 10 minutes. But that's what I want to talk about this morning is genuine faith. We need, we, what we need to have as Christians is genuine faith. The Bible refers to, actually refers throughout the Bible, the different faith in, in Matthew 10, it talks, in Matthew 8, 10, it talks about great faith. The centurion, Matthew 14, 31 with Peter, he talks about little faith. In Matthew 17, 20, with the disciples, he's talking about mustard seed faith. We hear different, different types of faith, but here talks about a genuine faith. Another interpretation, the NIV says, faith of great worth. Another version says, faith which has stood the test. Genuine faith. We need, what we need to be is, as Christians is we need to be Christians that have genuine faith. A, a genuine faith, not a flaky faith, not a Sunday faith, but a genuine faith. There's something about genuine. Genuine, when we hear that, it, it refers to the, the, the real deal. Genuine faith, not fake faith. Not surface faith, not, not, not my, my belief in God. It needs to not just be a surfacey thing. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think now in this day and age, especially, we need Christians that are standing strong in a genuine faith that is rooted in a revelation that Jesus Christ is my Lord and He is my Saviour. My faith in Him is not a surfacey sort of fake thing that I have to pull together on a Sunday to sort of be a Christian, but it's a genuine thing that is rooted down in me that I live out day in and day out. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes, 
but it means that I've got a genuine faith that is real. It's not a perfect faith. See, that's the thing about a genuine article. It may not always look perfect. It may not always look right, but it's genuine and it's real. And that's what I think is we've got so many people that, that the terminology is, yeah, I'm a Christian. Have you ever heard people say that and you thought, are, are you serious? And I'm not here, my heart, I'm not here to judge anyone this morning, but I want to encourage us as Christians is we need to raise up Christians. And what we need to do is the Bible's called us to make disciples. We need to disciple people and we need to, we need to be learning the Word of God. We need to be studying the Word of God. We need to be spending time with Him and building a genuine faith. That is real deal article that carries some weight that, that we don't have to tell people that we're a Christian. They can see it upon us because it's a genuine thing. I started looking at some different things and I actually started as I was studying, I started looking at the difference between genuine articles and fake articles. Genuine, gen, something that's genuine and, and something that's fake. You know, my wife, she loves to shop. How many ladies here? Um, she loves to shop. I wish I had a wife that didn't mind fake things. Do you know what I mean? Pro life would be a lot easier. But she's someone, I think everyone really deep down at the core, we all love the real thing, don't we? Something about, there's something about the real. And you have different imitation things. I was looking at, you know, I'll have, a, I'll have it in the next service. I left it at home, but... Uh, one, one of my buddies, um, actually my, my, uh, my buddy that passed away, I have, I have a, a jacket of his that he, that, he, that, he, uh, that he used to wear and he gave me and it's made from a fake, it's, one of, it's that type of leather that, that it looks like it's real and, and, it's, and you know, at a distance you can look at it, it looks real but it's actually fake leather, it, it's, it's, a, it's a plastic. It's something different when you, when you have, you can have a plastic fake leather and then you can have Real leather. You ever put on like a real, you know, a real leather jacket? You know what I mean? If you're like me, you walk into the store, you know, to find the real leather jacket. You put it on, you pretend like you can afford it. You know what I mean? Do you ever do that sometimes just to make yourself feel good? Is it just me? Sometimes I just need to pick me up, you know, go down South Coast and find the most expensive store in there. Just walk in like you can buy something like, hey, what's up? No one wants to be honest this morning. Come on, you walk in like, like looking at things like, I walk straight past the, you know, you walk straight past the t-shirts that, I went into a store the other day and I laughed out loud when I looked at the price of a t-shirt. I said to Chris, are you serious? What idiot, even if you had the money, I'm talking like $1,000, seven, $800 for a t-shirt. I, I, I like, sometimes I like to walk in, you walk straight past the t-shirts, I walk to like the expensive jackets or the suits. And you're just standing there. You're pretending like you're genuinely looking at it. Do you know what I mean? I'll be standing and be like, and then you look, she comes up. Hey, no, I'm just looking, thanks. I mean, I might get something. I mean, I might not. I mean, I might get a few things. I mean, who knows? Like, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the price tag and I'm like, <coughs> it's just not my colour. It's just not my... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And they're, they're like, is there anything? And, and, you know, sometimes I'll make the, make the, the person like go and get me a different size. 
Actually, I need this in like a medium. Do you have it in a medium? Bro, there is no, I'm not buying that thing. I just wanted to see what it felt like. You know what I mean? You put it on, you're like, man, this just feels good. And you're like, yeah, maybe I'll come back. You're not coming back. Do you ever say that to, oh, hang on. I just got a call. Let me take this. I'll come back. Let me take this real quick. It's funny because it's true. But there's something real about genuine. We, we like genuine, don't we? we, we we're drawn to something that's, that's, that's real, something that's authentic. I started looking up at the difference between fake leather and real leather. There's a couple of distinct differences between the fake and the real. They say the difference, one of the differences between fake leather and real leather is the touch. When you touch it, they actually say, it says here, genuine leather, look at this, genuine leather feels warm to touch. It says artificial leather gives the feeling of something cold and lifeless. I thought, man, if there's ever something that describes some Christians that I meet. Come on, you ever met a Christian that, that, that is... You know, it's just cold and lifeless. People walking around like, do you know what I mean? Treating people like they're rubbish, not loving on people, not being warm, not being friendly to people, not carrying the light of Jesus. There's something that'll, that, 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 that is powerful when you meet a Christian that there's just, they just carry an aura about them. There's just something that's warm about them. You can just, you can, you, the world should be able to spot a Christian from a mile off. The world should be able to look and say, that person's got to be saved. There's just something about them. We, when we, when we got a genuine, when you've got a genuine faith, you, this, you, you just gonna, there's going to be a warmness about you. It doesn't mean that you're not going through things. I'm not talking about floating on clouds 24-7, but I'm talking about who you are as a person. I'm talking about carrying something of the presence of God upon your life. And, and too often we have these, these ugly Christians, you know, that as soon as they get out of church on Sunday, some, of, some people, it's like it changes. It's so quick, the difference that the top lobby can make to the parking lot. Sometimes people, we're all Jesus. Hey, 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 yeah, awesome. Praise God. Hallelujah. Awesome. So good. High five. Big Bible. Nice suit. Ready to roll. Get out in the parking lot. Get out of the way. I need it. Come on, we need a, if you're, if you've got a genuine faith, it'll be not just something that you, you preach and talk about amongst your Christian friends. It's something that's on you. And then no matter where you are, even going through things, there's still a genuineness about it. You know, we need to be people. Sometimes I'm, I'm baffled sometimes at the simple things that, that Christians that we forget. We're called to walk in something simple. Like, you know, we're called to love people. Come on, love, I mean, love people. The Bible says in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. That is the second most important thing to Christ. And that's that we would love people. The Bible says further on in John 13, it says, by this all will know that you're my disciples. Think about that. All will know that you're my disciples by what? By the love you have for one another. 
It means that when people come into this church, they need to look around and say, I've never seen people love each other like this. We got, we got to carry it. It needs to be not this, this coldness. We've got to get rid of that in our heart. We've got, to, you know, we've got to get more. We've got to get a genuine faith, a genuineness in our heart, and it'll start to show out through who we are. I was in a restaurant a while back. I walked into a restaurant and I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, we try and eat good. You know, my wife is better at it than I am. And, and we try and, uh, you know, I try and sort of eat good and I try and get in the, in, the, in the gym as much as I can. I have photos of Pastor Javon on my wall <laughs> to inspire me. He's the background on my phone. I said, bro, just listen, I just need you to send me, you know, I said, I'm not trying to be weird. Just send me a photo of you in a singlet. I'll put it on the background of my phone to just inspire me every time I get in the gym, you know. It's not true. Some of you are looking at me too serious. <laughs> but listen, we, I was sitting in this restaurant and I'm trying to work out what to order. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the menu. I'm like, look, I don't know. And I, I look up and I'm there with Chris. And I look up and this, this couple walk through and this dude walks in. And this dude is massive. I mean, he's just got biceps on biceps. Like his biceps had their own biceps. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He walks past me and he's just, he just sits down over there and, and I'm looking at the menu. I'm looking at all of these options and I'm looking at him and looking at the menu. I'm looking at her and I said to the waitress, you know what? Give me whatever he orders. I'll have that. And I thought that's what, that's what it needs to be like as Christians. People need, to, people need to see us and be like, you know what? Whatever he's having... Whatever he's on, that's what I need. Whatever, whatever they've got in their life, that's what I need. Whatever they're walking in, that's what I need. But we, we're not going to carry that if we're just colder people. If we're just, there's something, if your genuineness, it's in the touch. And the, the, the other thing about the difference between genuine and fake, they say in regard to leather is just simply the cost. You can get fake. You can get something fake. And you know what? It'll cost you a lot less. But if you want that genuine faith, it's going to cost you a little bit more. See, I think what's happening is we don't have enough Christians that are willing to pay the price for a genuine faith. We want this quick drive through Christianity. We just want, you know, we just want a, a quick sort of sermon on a Sunday. Don't rattle me too much. Don't put, don't, don't get in my, get it, don't get in my space too much. Just make it an hour quick and I'm going to bounce out of here. So, so I can say that I went to church on Sunday and call myself a Christian. It's not going to, listen, genuine, if you want to have genuine faith, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time in the word. It's going to cost you some time in prayer. It's going, to, it's going to cost you some tears in worship. It's going to cost you some, some vulnerability in the presence of God. It's going to cost you some, some openness. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to wrestle with God a little bit. If you want to be someone that, that have that genuine faith, it's going to cost you a little bit more. It's going to cost us something. James 4.8, it says that we need to draw near to God and then He will draw near to you. If you want that nearness, if you want that closeness, you've got to be someone that's willing to pay a price. We look at people, great people of the faith. We look at, you know, people, 
that, that, that inspire us, whether it's your pastors and leaders, our senior pastor, Pastor Jensen, and we look at the faith that they carry and we look at the, the genuineness on their life and we think, I wanna be that, I wanna walk in that. Are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to be someone that'll get up in the early hours and just seek God? Not out of religion, not out of feeling like you have to, not out of wanting to tick a box, but out of a hunger to say, God, I just want to draw near to you this morning. It's going to cost you something. The, 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 the other thing, the difference between the fake and the difference between the real is they say the real genuine, it's, it's, if you get fake leather and, and fake leather starts to get worn, it goes through them some things. It gets beat up a little bit. Fake leather will start to crack. It says real leather. Real leather, can, you, can, you can beat it up, but it won't crack. I saw that and that, stirred, that spoke to my heart a little bit. It, real leather, it'll look like it's gone through some things. But it'll look like it's been strained. It'll look like it's been stretched. It'll look like it's been a little bit beat up, but it doesn't crack. And if you speak, if you talk to someone that, that, that deals in leather, what people will say is it's the, you know, and, and you say, people will say, well, it, it looks beat up. People say, no, that adds to the character. Come on, I want to, I want to talk to some genuine faith. Christians that have been through some things, but you haven't been cracked. You've been through some challenges and, and, and those challenges and those trials, it's just added to the strength of who I am. It's added to my character. I've been pressed, but I haven't been crushed. I'm not cracked. I've got a genuine faith that I've had to walk through some things, but it hasn't broken me. Come on, if you want to be someone, you've got to have some genuine faith because you're going to have to go through some things. And if you're going to walk through some trials with a fake faith, I'm going to tell you, you're going to crack eventually. And I'm not here to judge people. Hear my heart. I want to stir you because I believe this genuine faith is something that God has called us all to walk in. You need a genuine faith. How do you take a hit and keep on going? How do you walk through challenges and keep standing? How, you're going to have to have a genuine faith. You're going to have to pay the price, pay that little bit extra and get the real deal. Don't settle for just the second rate. Don't settle for just the Sunday Christianity. Get the real deal in your life. And I want to tell you, genuine faith will stand the test of time. Genuine faith will stand in a hospital and say, I still believe. Genuine faith will stand when the family is falling apart part and say, God's going to bring it together. Genuine faith will push back the challenges in your mind. It'll, it'll fight against depression. It'll fight insecurities. But you need to have that genuine faith. I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth walking in, man. I want to encourage you and I feel like I'm speaking to some people. I'm not trying to just row you up, but I want to challenge some people. It's worth paying the price. Don't settle for second rate because second rate won't hold up when you go through the trial, when you go through the fire. One of the ways in which they test real, real leather is they put a flame to it. Fake leather will light up, but real leather won't burn. You want to go through the fire. 
How do you go through the marriage difficulties when everyone else is settling for divorce? How do you, how do you keep it together? I, my parents celebrated 40 years of marriage last week, talking to my dad. How do you, how do you keep it together? How do you, how do you, you gotta have a genuine faith. You gotta be able to just go to bed and say, you know what, God, you're in control. I give it to you, but you won't be able to stand on that faith if it's not a genuine faith. We need, listen, now more than ever, now more than ever, the church needs to rise up with genuine faith. We got, we got people, and, and he, I hope you hear my heart, we got people that will quote the Bible and people that will get up and receive awards and say, I oh, thank Jesus, but then live a lifestyle that's so contrary to Jesus. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to judge people here in my heart. I've got a heart for the lost. But what I'm saying is we need Christians. Man, now more than ever, they just have a genuine faith. And remember what I said, if it, if it's a genuine faith, it'll have a warmth about it. Yeah, come on. it. It'll have, there'll be something about it. It won't be judgmental. I'm not trying to judge people. But I think we've presented this Christianity to a world that basically we say, hang on to what all of the issues, hang on to all of those issues, keep all of your brokenness, keep all of your addictions, walk however you want to walk. But just as long as you can get up and say, I believe in Jesus, or as long as you can Instagram a verse now and then or tweet a scripture, then that means it's genuine faith. And you hear in my heart, I'm saying we, the reason why they, they think that is because too many Christians have not represented genuine faith to them. They don't know any better. They don't know any different because the church, we've watered down the message of the Gospel to just being a service on a Sunday and a Scripture that we got tattooed on our arm. We've got to get back to genuine faith and say, this is not just something that's tattooed on my body because it's cool or it's not a cross around my neck, it's a state of my heart that I'm sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ. He's moved in my heart. He's done something that's so great that I cannot deny Him. I'm talking about some genuine faith this morning. You hear in my heart. And again, I'm not, I don't want to judge people, but I'm saying it's time for the church to rise with genuine faith. The last thing that I want to preach and we're going to finish. Last thing. You can look at genuine leather, it can, you can, from a distance, the fake will look a certain way. It may look fine from a distance, it may look, but you want to know the, the main difference? Leather, real leather is made from an animal skin. It's made from a, from a, from a hide, whether it be a, a, a cow, whether it be a, a pig, whatever it might be. What separates fake from real is something had to die. Something had to die to create the genuine. People want to walk in genuine faith. And the keys can come. We're about to close this. People want to walk in genuine faith. But they don't want to kill anything. People want to walk in. People say, I want to be saved. I want to, I want to walk in what God has for me. 
but I don't want to kill anything. I want to tell you, if you want genuine faith, something's got to die. You've got to make a decision. You know what? I'm dying to my old life. I'm, I'm dying. The Word of God says, I take up my cross daily. This cross represented death. You've got to die. You've got to die to your past. So many different people that, that I'll meet and, and, and people that will have awesome God encounters and, and want to say, you know what, I want to give my life to God. But one of the biggest challenges I think for them is, you know, and, and sometimes it's just them getting to a revelation of saying, you know what, bro, you've got to die to your past. You want to walk in this? you got to let that go. Could you imagine, uh, Caressa and I get, this May celebrate two years of being married. Could you imagine if, if when, we, when we got married, I'm standing there and, and, and imagine if Caressa comes down and she walks down the aisle and she comes down the front and, and when we do the vows and, and she says, do, do you make this covenant with, with Ben? And she says, yeah, I mean, I do, but I still want to see Billy. And I still want to hang on to, to, to Ryan. He was a good dude from my past. And, and I still want to, you know what I mean? And I still want to, I, I, what, what she was doing is she was making a covenant with me. And what I was doing was making a covenant with her saying, my old life is gone and I'm making a covenant or commitment to you. You know, the Bible talks about the church as being the bride of Christ. And we need a church to rise up with a genuine faith where people say, you know what, I'm dying to my past. I'm dying to the desires of my flesh. I'm dying to that lifestyle because I wanna be someone that walk in a genuine faith. You can't have the two. Flee from what's evil. Cling to what's good. One of the things that's robbing people from walking in everything God has to them is we're trying to, we're just trying to hold on to some, well, it's just a little bit of this. It's just, you know, I mean, we're not, you know, it's just a little bit of, this, a little bit of that. If it's not dead, it's still living. And if you kill it, if you really kill it, God can use it. But we've got to make a decision that we want genuine faith. Genuine faith. And I believe that, that this is, we're coming into a season as, as the church. And I'm not here, I'm not talking about being judgmental to people. That's not my heart. But I believe that we're coming into a season as a, as a church where genuine faith is about to rise. And listen, I'm telling you, the world... The world is crying out for real Christians, real children of God, people that are in Christ Jesus. They're looking for, I'm telling you, they are looking for half the time the world don't want to have anything to do with the churches. They cannot see a difference between us and them apart from what we do on a Sunday morning. What Jesus was able to do was Jesus was able to be with the non-Christians, 
but still maintain his level of purity. But there was something about the purity that he walked in that attracted Christian that, that attracted lost people to him. This is what genuine faith will do. It won't be, I'm not talking about being self-righteous. It's that genuine faith is not self-righteousness. Self-righteousness will cause, will push people away and separate. But genuine faith, it'll attract people to the purity that you're walking in and the grace that you're walking in, that is Jesus Christ. We need to have the genuine faith. And I want to give people this morning, if we can all stand right across this room. Sorry, I went a little bit over, but I want to give people this morning. I want to do a, I want to do a response, Tom. I feel like doing a, 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 a quick response. But I want to do it a little bit different. I want to do it for people this morning and and... I want to give people an opportunity this morning to respond to genuine faith. Some of you, you love the Lord and you're committed to Him, but you're not living what I'm preaching. And hear my heart, this is not a judgmental church. This is not, everyone's on a journey. It doesn't matter. I don't care where you're at or what you're doing. We're all on a journey. But I want to give people an opportunity this morning to say, you know what? I've got to get genuine in my faith. I'm not paying the price. I feel like I've got faith, but I don't feel like it's this genuine faith. Maybe it's things that you're still hanging on to. Maybe it's a price that you're not prepared to pay, that you haven't been prepared to pay. You haven't been prepared to, to, to put in the time, put in the time in the Word, put in the prayer. Maybe it's been a, you know, it's been, there's been a coldness about you. You've just been, you haven't been acting the way you feel like God is, is encouraging you and drawing you to be acting in the way you are with people. And I want to, I believe that, I believe that, that this morning is going to be a bit of a turning point for some people. For some people to say, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm doing this for real. I want to walk in genuine faith right across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed.